Well, uh, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. Uh, for those of you uh, here in the room with me and those of you also watching at home, maybe on the beach somewhere, watching on a phone, who knows? Uh, anyway, let's just uh, have a prayer before we begin. So, Lord, we uh, thank you for your loving presence here with us, wherever we are gathered, that promise that where two or three are gathered, that you are there in the midst. And we pray that you'd open our hearts and our ears to hear your words speaking to us, that we would hear your words of love changing us and transforming us to become more like you. And we ask this for your glory's sake. Amen. Now, um, the, the subject I'm looking at today is I a wonderful subject. It's the subject of hope, um, glorious hope. I think hope is something that perhaps uh, we're feeling a little bit uh, today um, with um, spring in the air. It's a very, very late spring, isn't it, actually? My garden is way behind what it was this time last year. Um, but the hope of warmer weather... Uh, and also, probably more importantly, the hope that we can increasingly have done with our... I'm, I'm happy at the front without my mask, but you guys are all wearing your mask. We're having this, all this kind of stuff. And maybe in uh, the, the uh, coming weeks, who knows, we might be able to end more and more of the restrictions of COVID-19. So but what I want to ask the question is, what, what is the most fundamental hope that people have? What is, what, what is the hope that perhaps is more important than anything else that people live for and long for? Now, people may want many things, like maybe people are hoping for exam results or a better job or holidays or so on. But I'm, I'm looking at what is the most fundamental, fundamental hope underneath many of these sort of superficial hopes and aspirations. And I would want to say that lying at the basis of all of this is to love and be loved. To love and be loved is food that satisfies the soul deep down more than anything else. And uh, many of people want money or good looks or youth because they want to be more attractive, because they want to be loved and they want to love and so on. So that, I think, is the fundamental goal that most people have deep down. But the reality is, even though we might start out hoping and dreaming of what might be, the reality is, for most people, many people anyway, these hopes are often frustrated. People disappoint us. We disappoint ourselves. Circumstances overtake us and our dreams and hopes uh, are, fall into tatters and sometimes we become cynical and hard-hearted um, and wary of involvement. But our readings for today remind us that the ultimate good news, I believe, of the Christian faith is that we have a confident hope and expectancy to love and be loved now and a love that never will die no, no matter what circumstances threaten us. A love that never dies, no matter what circumstances threaten us. This is not just good news. To me, it is great news. And God makes all this possible for even the most weak person, like you or me, the most self-centered person, he makes this possible through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us upon the cross and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's have a look at this uh, text. Can I, is it, here we are. 
The, some text from the scripture. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. In Romans 15, and let your hope keep you joyful, patient in your troubles, and pray at all times. And I would want to suggest the root of all that is uh, from Ephesians 3, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And here is an amazing uh, prayer that we will all have this amazing experience to grasp how long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know, actually know, that love that surpasses all knowledge and so far be transformed in the end to be filled with a measure of the fullness of God. Now, what I believe is that God's plan and purpose is that you and I have a, a growing insight, a growing insight into this love that transforms us so that we ourselves can be loved and we can also love as well. Now, I guess in one sense, we're more used to the idea of loving things, loving people, loving pets, loving human things. What, what does it mean? What would it look like to have an experience of being loved by God in a way that perhaps St. Paul is describing here. Now, I, I had a dream a few years back, which perhaps I've shared with some of you already in the room here today and those of you at home. But I want to share a bit about that, that dream because I think it was really, it was powerfully transformative for me and I, I believe it's relevant to share that today. I was, uh, uh, I dreamt that I was in a church in, in London and it was an evening service and uh, there weren't many people there. Uh, the floor was empty, it was a stone flag floor and people were around the edge of the room talking in hushed whispers and there was a sense of great hope and expectancy and anticipation that God was going to come and be with us by his spirit, a bit like in the uh, the temple uh, in the Old Testament, the cloud coming in to fill the temple. That was a sense of anticipation that I knew was there in the room. And anyway, so I was filled with that sense of hope and expectancy, and suddenly in the middle of the floor was a kind of circle of flame, a bit like if you've been to Greece, Zorba, the Greek dance, little blue tongues of flames in the, in, in the, on the floor. And uh, I knew immediately that was like the... The, the, the flames uh, on, on, uh, on the disciples at Pentecost, uh, it was a harbinger of the Spirit coming there. And I knew that the Holy Spirit was about to come and fill the room. So I, I kind of said, God, if you're here, help me to hug you. So let me hug you. And so I felt him saying, yeah, okay, reach out, hug me. So I then uh, I lifted my hands up like this and I hugged God in my dream and it was like an electric shock. It was just amazing. The sense of joy that I experienced at that moment in my dream was beyond anything I've ever experienced. It was just so powerful, so amazing. And it was like, it was too, too strong. And I, it was just overwhelming and I, I just had to let go. And as I let go, I woke up and there I was, in my bed at the vicarage at St. Tim's, and uh, there was Ronnie beside me, sound asleep, and I was sitting bolt upright, 
sweat pouring down my body, my, my, my pulse racing and tears streaming down my face. It was just amazing. And I, I believe that, that God was giving me an insight into the joy of knowing him, of what his love is truly like, to whet my appetite, if you like, to seek more and more of this. And I believe that is what God is planning for us as Christians, that we have day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, a growing understanding and experience of what it means to love and be loved by God and for that love to reflect out into the world in which we learn in a human relationships to love and be loved more effectively. So how then can we do that? And in that uh, passage, it talks about, as you can see there, the emphasis there, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So I think it's really important, first of all, that whatever, whatever experience of the love of God now we have, here is something to whet our appetites. Here is a promise in scripture. And I believe that what God wants us to do is to ask God and pray, Lord, open my eyes to understand this more, to see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more dearly, to quote the Bishop of Chichester of many years ago. And uh, so that's being rooted. In, so as we understand more and more of the love of God, we are, we are transformed by that and learn to love other people like God. And then we, it says here also that that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So as Jesus comes into our lives more and more and more, as we pray for that to happen, as he reveals his heart to us, then we can experience the love of God that can never be taken away. I mean, people around us, fall ill and die. We are one day going to die as well, but it talks about in Romans 8 about nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. This is a love that is there for keeps and endures forever and ever. So as we grow in the knowledge of that love, we are free. We are free. And we have a a joy that the world cannot remove from us. But I would want to suggest it's more than just prayer. Because how does Christ dwell in our hearts through faith? Obviously partly through prayer. But there's something actually that Jesus said in John 14, you need to do in order for that to happen more fully. He says, if I can see at the bottom... Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. I, I love that little, kind of like a very domestic uh, a sort of intimate expression that we will come to them and we will make our home with them. So Jesus coming into our hearts, making his home inside. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? Why would God do that? Why would he come into you and me and make his home? That's all the love of God, isn't it? It's about God's love being so different from our love. But what he says here, what's important, is that we need to open our hearts to him for that to happen. We need to actually show that we are ready to reciprocate and love him back. And the way we express our love for Jesus, for God, is 
to obey his command. So therefore what he's saying is if we are to know the reality of Christ being more fully in our hearts through faith, that requires an openness on our part and obedience, which is something that we, we find very difficult because we might say, well, look, that's the end of the story here. I know what a sinner I am. I know that I'm not very obedient. I know I'm useless and therefore that's, uh, well, you can, that's not much of a hope then, is it? Because I am, I, I'm aware of how weak and frail I am, so I can't do that obedience bit. But the unique Christian hope is that despite the fact we are weak and frail and we find obedience hard, yet the great hope is that by his spirit, he can help us to be strong. It says here, you know, it says here, uh, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you through, uh, by the power of his, <laughs> I can't read from here, you with power through his spirit, in your inner selves, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So what the great hope of the Christian gospel is, unique from any other religion, is that God comes into our hearts by his spirit, and that he, <clears throat> he is the one who transforms us inwardly, so that transformation begins at the middle of us and works its way outwards. There's no other faith, no other belief system that has this, where Christ comes into our hearts to change us from the inside out. And we can look back to uh, Ezekiel 36. I can't go into it much details, but here is the, in the Old Testament, a promise about the new covenant that was going to come in which the prophet Ezekiel says, God speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is, this is the amazing, again, gospel of the Christian faith that he knows how weak we are, how flaky we are, how, how slow we are to obey. And therefore, because of all that, and know that we, it's nice to be loved, but we find it difficult to love so the Holy Spirit comes inside into our heart to take out of us a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And he puts his spirit to it to see to it that we then obey his commandments. And so to me, this is the amazing hope of the Christian faith that we actually can come increasingly to know the experience of what it means to love and be loved because of what Jesus did on the cross for us and because of his spirit coming into our lives to enable us more and more to love like him. And I believe that it's not just good news to share with people, it is great news for the heart of evangelism, as 1 Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Now, therefore, what's really important here is that being a witness to the Christian faith or evangelism or, or um, whatever you like to call it, but our fundamental principle, our calling as Christians is to be a witness. It's not to browbeat people. It's not to bash them over the head with the Bible. It's not to, to sort of, 
you know, get into a hot conversation and, and try to, to do something awkward to, to do like that. No, what we are simply doing is sharing this amazing hope that we have. And because so many people around us do not have anything like as wonderful hope as we do, People's lives are disappointed, frustrated, cynical. They've given up. They choose dysfunctional coping measures. They, do, they choose dysfunctional ways of trying to find happiness. But we have the real deal. Why would we not want to share this with our friends and neighbours, with our brothers and sisters, with our children, with our parents? This is the most wonderful thing, to love and be loved. And through Jesus, this is possible increasingly for us as Christians. And what we see is that uh, this is for everybody. The mystery revealed through Christ is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs along with Israel, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. We are Gentiles. We are non-Jews. Everybody around us, most people are non-Jews. And all these people, God wants to come into a living relationship with, with him and to discover this for themselves so that they too can have this living hope of being loved and being loved by God primarily and then reaching out more effectively by his spirit to love and be loved with other people as well. What, a, what an amazing, solid hope this is. And uh, in fact, uh, the, so that the sharing the glorious hope that we have, that through Christ we are able to love and be loved and that the love that never ends. Now, as we pray that prayer from verse 18, that to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that's passed in knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. As we pray that prayer with St. Paul, then the key thing then is we, as we experience more and more deeply and encounter more deeply the living Jesus Christ in our own personal lives and plumb the depths of his love, the length and breadth and height and depth of his love, we then come to encounter and know this love for ourselves, to love and be loved. But maybe, okay, maybe some of you are thinking this sounds a bit plastic, a bit unreal, because that's not necessarily my experience of the Christian life. Become a Christian, pray, and the Spirit of Christ fills us with wonderful feelings of love, loving and being loved. The reality is, it's not like that. We know it isn't. We don't feel like that most of the time. And often we feel at the very limit. So where, where is a hope in all that when we feel uh, at the point of despair? But I believe what's important to understand here is what is love all about? What is the true meaning of love? Notice that in this particular text, it says to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love, this knowledge, that we, you and me, will be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. So the purpose that God is doing this is all in order to restore the image of God within us, to make us actually like him, to make us to love like God, to be like God. That's what we are destined to be. And what is the nature of the love of God? It's courageous, it's sacrificial, it's long-suffering, it's enduring, it's amazing, it's wonderful. It's got this amazing quality of generosity and self-giving and patience and forgiving. 
And that's what we, you and I, are destined to be like. That's what God has in plan for you and for me. But are we like that? Are you and I like God yet? Are we self-sacrificial, generous, long-suffering, patient, enduring, love never gives up, it's faith and hope and patience never fails? Are we like that yet? And the answer is, no, we aren't. We aren't. So what God's plan purpose is to help us grow to become like him, to become like Jesus. And the Bible actually tells us that in order for that to happen, God has to stretch our love muscles, to stretch our faith muscles by putting us into situations where we come to the end of our rope. Where we think, I can't do this anymore. These people are impossible. God, what kind of family is this? I can't do it. Probably in lockdown, confined with your nearest and dearest, you found that even more. And you found all your fault lines coming to the surface. But that was God's plan and purpose for you and for me, that we learn through that difficulty like an endurance course, becoming an SAS soldier or whatever it is, or becoming an Olympic athlete, in order to make us strong on the inside, to stretch our love muscles. So God will deliberately expose us into situations which bring the worst out of us. But he does it so that we end up more and more like him in the end as we persevere, as his spirit forms Jesus in us so that we then become more like him. And even Jesus himself, it says, it says, uh, some though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And that's God's plan and purpose for you and me, that we go through endurance tests and the people that God places around us we learn to become more like loving. We learn to forgive. We learn to forbear. We learn to trust in God's spirit at work in us. And as we do that, we then become effective in becoming a channel of God. We can't bring people eternal salvation like Jesus did, but we can be the hand of God, the mouth of God, the heart of God in that situation, speaking peace and love into that difficult situation because we've learned to endure. We've learned to love like his love. And also it says... Um, the assurance that the Spirit will do that. I pray that out of his glorious riches he will strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Isn't that a, the wonderful great Christian hope? That he will come inside us when we're at our wit's end, when we can't do it anymore. We say, Lord, I can't do it. He will give you and me strength to love by his Spirit. And also the promise is that we will, he will never do it beyond our power to remain firm. No temptation overtaking you except that what is common to mankind and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your power, what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide you a way out so that you can endure it. 
Well, it's amazing that he knows how much we cope. And you, may, you and I may think we can't do this. And it's too much. It's too much. But God is sovereign and he tailor makes situations for you and me so that we will never be overwhelmed. He will always give us a way of escape so that we can overcome it. So therefore, this is the great hope. And therefore, indeed, as Romans 12 says, let your hope keep you joyful. Be patient in your troubles and pray at all times. So let's go back to that 1 Peter 3 statement. Always be ready to give an account of the hope that you have within you and do it with gentleness and respect. And I believe that is the core of what it means to be a Christian witnessing to our friends and neighbours. It's not browbeating. It's not Bible bashing. It's not being awkward. It's simply sharing the good news of this amazing hope that we can increasingly experience that and encounter to what it means to love and be loved because of Jesus Christ and his spirit. Let's just bow our heads for prayer. So Lord, we thank you that you have loved us enough, first of all, to die upon the cross, to wipe away our sin, to, to restore us and reconcile us to you. And then, wonderfully, you, with all humility, come to live in our hearts and put up with us and inwardly you transform us and change our hearts inwardly so that we can, by your grace, by your spirit, learn to love and be like you. And we thank you, Lord, that therefore, increasingly, you want us to know the joy of loving and being loved with the prospect that one day you will call us home to be with you forever in a love that never ends in heaven. So we thank you, Lord, for all these things and for your word that so clearly teaches us these amazing facts and gives us this hope. Amen.